to the Web 2.0 Show with your hosts, Josh Owens and Chris Saylor. We're a show about the new web, the latest thoughts and technology behind internet development and content delivery. Welcome to our fourth podcast. We have Kevin Rose with us. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, Kevin, where you're from, who you're working for now, maybe uh, who you've worked for in the past. I'm from San Francisco right now, which is great. Well, I'm not from San Francisco. I, I actually spent the last uh, four or five years in San Francisco, then was uh, uh, moved away for a year, and, and now I'm back. I know you guys are a little bit jealous. I, I hear that you want to move to the Bay Area. I do love the Bay Area. Yeah, I think it's, we're uh, both interested in moving. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what? The the Web 2.0 uh, conference is going on right now. You guys should be here. Yeah, it starts <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a little cost prohibitive for us. but uh, <laughs> it, it was a little pricey. That's the reason I'm not attending as well. What, what was it to... Uh, what was it to get a pass? Is it like three thousand or something like that? Well, I think when we got the uh, the invite, it was twenty five hundred for the the early birds. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit uh, spendy for most people. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, about me, before uh, when I, when I last lived up in the Bay Area, I was working for a company called Tech TV, um, that was uh, a national uh, television network um, about all things tech related. And uh, I uh, was was hosting a show on there. I, I started off as just a contributor to a show called The Screensavers, and uh, and then eventually moved into the hosting role, and um, was hosting that show for uh, it, well, I was on the show for around three and a half years, and uh, the 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 company was sold. It was actually a, it was owned by Vulcan Ventures, Paul Allen's um, uh, little VC. Uh, and uh, it was sold to Comcast and moved to Los Angeles. Then they pretty much they changed the name of the network uh, from Tech TV to G4 Tech TV. It was merged with another network called G4. Yeah. And then eventually, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys heard all about this. It was some, uh, yeah, so they killed all the tech programming off, and uh, now it's more along the lines of like a lifestyle slash gaming channel. And yeah, I'd... Yep. I'd that's such a shame. I love Tech TV. Yeah, we didn't really hear about it. We we actually kind of watched it die. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, I didn't know you guys were were had watched the network. That's cool. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was sad. It was really sad because there was a lot of like uh, just good all around programming on the network. You know, it really wasn't like hardcore geeky, but it was right at that level where you know you could have. Uh, we had a lot of families that would watch the show, a lot of people that had no idea what they were doing as far as technology is concerned and, you know, uh, just turned on the channel one day and then all of a sudden decided to go out and buy a computer and then, you know, we would get emails from people that, uh, one of the emails that, that I really uh, love was we received an email from a truck driver who had gotten in an accident and broke his leg and uh, he turned on Tech TV and, and he just loved what he saw, bought a computer and now is like an IT like network administrator. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, it was really cool. It was it was fun working there because you 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 would receive a lot of emails like that all the time, and it just really you know made you feel good to to think that you were helping uh, people understand computers and technology. But um, yeah, so when when that all started to happen, uh, when G four took over, um, then I uh, started a little a couple little side projects. Um, one called Revision Three, which is uh, like an online. Uh, kind of uh, media how-to um, uh, project where I do instructional videos online 
about computers and technology. And that was really because of the lack of tech programming within G4. So I figured I'd got to, you know, find another avenue to, to do that. So that was uh, Revision 3. And then also another company um, called Dig, which is um, kind of a social uh, news experiment um, that I started here. About a, It was right around October of last year. So it's been about a year now. So. Yeah, I uh, actually enjoyed both of those projects, as a matter of fact. Um, I was excited to see you guys bring back some of the more techie content with Revision 3. Oh, thanks. And I it's... sat there refreshing the Revision 3 page when your first episode came out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Did you get in the chat room that we had going on there? Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, it was, Yeah, it was nuts. We had an IRC chat, and there was like 600 and some people in there. It was pretty crazy at one time. That's awesome. It's not even a chat room any longer. It's just like uh, you just watch the <laughs> scrolling text. <laughs> so uh, when are you going to bring back the uh, broken? I, that's that's uh, I've I've got a lot of work to do uh, on on dig. My I spend all my time on dig and and the revision three stuff is just um, kind of like on the weekends. Uh, it's just a fun project to to work on, you know. But uh, we're we're actually going to be shooting some stuff uh, um, a new intro for that here in like a week and a half. So hopefully in the next couple of months, once we get uh, all the content shot, Ramsey really wants to do another episode, which is cool. Excellent. What what does Web 2.0 mean to you? I know you listened to our earlier podcasts, but uh, have you like delved into it at all? Uh, as far as what is concerned, as far as uh, like the whole big the topic of discussion, everybody seems to be chiming in with um, their opinion of Web 2.0. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of. Uh, it's it's a buzzword right now, isn't it? Like it's, you're absolutely slapped on pretty much everything that is kind of like next generation web, and I, I don't know. There's there's so much that that goes into that. I mean, um, when you think of like standard old school web 1.0 companies, you know, and I I worked for a couple uh, dot coms up here in the Bay Area actually before I started Tech TV back during the heyday. I, I mean, obviously, as you guys know, uh, it's just for me, it, it's watching this this web evolve into uh, something that's so much more than just static HTML pages. You know, it really excites me when I see these websites that have been so closed off to the world start to you know open up their content for anyone to manipulate in any way that they they see fit. You know, it's it's a whole bunch of different things. I think you know, I see new startups all over the place, but. Uh, they're a lot smarter now, you know, they're, they're, it's not, you know, 10, 15,000 square foot office space. It's, you know, a small little three, $400 a month little hole in the wall with a couple of guys just really dedicated to putting, pushing out a cool product. Yeah. Or and, actually not even having an office. Um, yeah, exactly. Like the 37 signals guys are all over the world. Yeah. Which is really cool that they're able yeah. to create tools and ways, you know, develop ways to collaborate and work on projects from all over the place. I mean, that's, that's like dig. That's how, uh, uh, the main developer, um, Owen, uh, a friend of mine, he's actually um, out of Nova Scotia up in Canada. So um, we created an, the entire site all all via remote. So yeah, it's and it, it's just uh, it, I think it's just a, a really a bunch of different things all coming together. You know, then you have the other side of things, which is the the level of interactivity that a user can have with the website. You know, with with really cool things like you know we're seeing a lot of AJAX stuff and and the social aspect of things and sharing information. So uh, it's just a really exciting, fun time to watch, like, this next version of websites evolve, you know. It's, there, we're seeing some really cool projects that we wouldn't even have thought possible here just a few years ago. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that point. Um, 
actually, Chris and I take kind of a broad approach to the term Web 2.0, and we, we view content delivery as part of that definition. Why don't you talk a bit more about Revision 3 and uh, the various pieces of media that you guys publish? We, uh, we started off Revision 3 with a, uh, a show called System, and basically it was kind of a how-to show uh, where we would um, you know, teach users. We take one uh, specific topic per episode, spend 15, 20, 30 minutes on that topic, really go in-depth about it, and teach users how to do something really cool. Um, the first episode, we uh, taught people how to build an automated handheld war spine device. That one was we, awesome. <laughs> it was pretty. It was a lot of fun to, to create. We we, we took a um, uh, one of those wireless video camera receivers, uh, modified it so that it would automatically switch through the various different channels, and then uh, took an LCD and kind of bundled this all together inside of a. Uh, a like a little cash box that you can carry around with you with battery and everything over the little integrated up so you wouldn't have to have any power hook to it. And uh, you could basically drive around or walk around and find um, these wireless uh, cams that are pretty much all over the place. It's crazy how many of them there are. But um, So that was the first one. And then we, we did another episode on how to create a Myth TV box, which, you know, Myth TV, great little open source, like uh, PBR-based project. Um, and then we cracked open the Nano, uh, showed the insides off, like the date was released, and just a lot of really fun things. But we took that content and kicked it out in as many formats as we could possibly uh, come up with. You know, we did the XVIDs and the PSP and, you know, Windows Media and H.264 and Theora. Uh, um, and, and then we took each of those uh, specific feeds and created um, basically... Uh, the website has a RSS feed uh, and enclosures that wrap around every bit of content that we have. Well, first we we uh, set up our own BitTorrent servers so that we could seed it ourselves, and uh, we wanted it all distributed through BitTorrent, but then we wanted to create RSS feeds that, that were associated with each of those different formats so that you could just subscribe to a feed, and then, you know, just like podcasts, have that content automatically uh, delivered uh, to your inbox whenever a new episode is released. Yeah, what would be killer is if um, um, Apple would actually pick up and somehow integrate BitTorrent into their iTunes. And, uh, I agree. You know, that's actually it's a huge, huge problem because if you have a podcast right now or a vidcast that's being published on the iTunes Music Store and it has any level of popularity, you know, the top 100, you're going to be slapped with some crazy overages as far as bandwidth is concerned. It's just insane. It really yeah. is like we can't we can't even serve it like the. So the other podcast we do, Dignation, we try to um, serve that just via a single server, like just, you know, standard, I'm just going to throw it up there and let people download it. And uh, because it's being downloaded so many times uh, through the iTunes Music Store, which, like you said, doesn't support BitTorrent, um, it just took the server down. So we actually had to go with um, a service that provides, like, caching across multiple boxes uh, but gives you a single, like, unified URL and we, we did that through uh, a hosting company. They're actually the same guys that um, that do uh, the all of the um, the trillion releases. So like anytime there's a new trillion update or something like that, they they also that, that's what they do. They they do like large applications and things like that. But you're paying a lot of money for that too at the same time because we're paying like um, I think it's like 15 bucks a meg. Uh, I'm not talking about megabyte. I'm talking about meg meg of actual bandwidth. So like you know one. We do a new release. We see a burst up to 300 uh, um, megs of transfer happening wow. at the at the um, 
at the switch level so we can monitor all that stuff but it's still it's still pretty pricey you know so unless you have ads which most you know um I mean, most of the podcasts don't have yet. Yeah, they, there's not really any. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're being developed. Uh, I've heard about several different various ways to put ads into podcasts, but yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky for for the guys that don't know what they're doing. Do you have any plans to like um, to do anything like that with Revision Three with uh, ads or something to try to you know recoup some of those costs? Well, we um, there's a good friend of mine, uh, David uh, Prager, who is um, he was actually worked with me on the screensavers. Um, since uh, I don't have a whole lot of time to, to dedicate to that stuff, he's uh, gone out and started kind of shopping around and finding advertisers to uh, buy ad space within the podcast. And um, we launched, when we did uh, Dignation last week, uh, Dolby sponsored us. And then uh, a week also, um, we, had, we were sponsored by GoDaddy.com. So they basically... The model that that David presented to them was um, you basically pay kind of like a uh, a banner ad would with a CPM like cost per thousand impressions. Mm-hmm. Um, you would do the same thing with uh, you know th- th- we can provide you with real stats like showing you how many times the file's been downloaded. You can't really prove that the person listened to it, but you know we can show the actual completed downloads, and then you you just charge a CPM based. Uh, um, you know, decide what you want to uh, charge, and then and then at the you know get them net thirty or whatever, and just build them at the end of the month. Yeah, that's um. I really want to see that work because um a lot of this content being put out by podcasters and by you guys is really long tail content, mm-hmm. and it almost makes me wonder if that's why you know the business guys decided that tech TV, well, you know why they shut it down, why it wasn't viable because this you know this content's just not mass marketable, but they're but the audience that is there is very devoted to it. Definitely, it's it's very niche. But, uh, yeah, it's it's tricky. I've seen I've I've heard of some services in development right now that are looking to kind of place ads within podcasts. I've heard of such things as dy- dynamic ads being placed within a, a, a podcast as it's being downloaded. So you know the ad could change over time. Um, so if if someone only bought you know ten thousand ads within a podcast after you know download ten thousand and one starts happening, then a different ad would be inserted into that audio stream as it's uh, as the the download is being requested. So it's going to be interesting to see who comes up with a solution to to solve this big problem. Do you think uh, BitTorrent will play a bigger part in the future? I mean, do you see Apple supporting that down the road? Uh, I don't know. You know, I I just. I think that most likely Apple probably stayed away from this initially because of the fact that, uh, you know, it kind of had a negative bit torn, had that whole piracy thing attached to it for quite some time. Yeah, that but, black mark. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they just, what did Bram just took, uh, I can't remember, was it like $8 million from Kleiner? Do you, do you remember what the dollar amount was? He just took a huge chunk of money. Yeah, I I don't think I ever saw a dollar amount on that. Yeah, it was it was an it was a pr- fairly decent amount of money that he's going to develop uh, uh, new BitTorrent tools and and hopefully some commercial based BitTorrent tools. But we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't. I, Apple may decide to develop their own thing. You know, you know how proprietary they are of their <laughs> other stuff. So who knows? True. Eight point seven million, by the way. <laughs> ah, there you go. Google the rescue. Yeah, it's a lot of cash. I have no idea how he's going to spend it, but that's a lot of cash. Neither do I. That's a lot of coding. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So where do you, um, you know, where do you see this? Uh, I guess the future of content delivery, delivery, things like um, you know, IPTV and, and 
all the stuff that you guys are doing in the revision, revision three. Where do you see that going? Well, um, you know, there's uh, when people talk about IPTV, um, I think that there's a lot of confusion out there as to what that really means. You know, some people think, oh, well, if you're streaming media over IP, it's IPTV. You know, yeah. um, others think that, you know, the, like, RSS-based, like, you know, wrapping content and having it automatically delivered to your desktop is kind of like an IPTV. And then you have, like, the big boys that are talking about, you know, actually setting up set-top boxes that are IPTV compatible and, uh, you know, fiber to the doorstep and all that good stuff. But I don't know where where we're really headed with this. Uh, it's it's a little tricky because you kind of have to wait for the market to develop a little bit. You know, there's some big players coming out with some pretty cool things here in the near future. Um, you know, the, the, I think that when you have certain devices uh, like the Myth TV that's able to, like with my Myth TV box, I can basically subscribe to any feed out there, any vidcast feed out there, and have that content automatically delivered and presented on a TV, which is really cool. But, you know my mom doesn't know how to set her own Myth TV box. So it's like the for the masses to adopt something like that, it really has to be simple, really plug and play to get it to, to take off. So I'm curious to see, you know, uh, next generation Xbox 360, the next generation PlayStation, you know, they all have some type of you know, a means to download and, and play videos. So, uh, you know, once those are launched and, and once we see some of these tools evolve and, and I'm sure there's going to be some type of killer application out there that uh, – who is that company? There was one uh, – Dave. Have you heard of Dave at all? I saw a demo at CES of Dave. It looked pretty impressive. It was uh, another type of – they had a set-top box and they had a desktop client that was kind of using uh, BitTorrent-type distribution uh, of the content and was able to deliver the media um, uh, to, the cl- to the client. But I really think it's too early to, to you know say who's going to – stand out or I don't think the tool's there yet. I haven't seen the one killer, you know, tool. So Yeah. It's kind of the problem with that and actually Ohm Malik in our previous podcast brought up a good point is that in the United States anyway, we have a really good infrastructure for delivering, you know, T V. And so mm-hmm. it's kinda of gonna be hard to overcome that. It's very true. I, I think that, you know, the the way that that's I, I really see that kind of being integrated. I'm sure that at some point Comcast will add, add the ability to connect to standard independent channels of content online. You know, I mm-hmm. think that it's going to take something like uh, kind of like a, a Howard Stern signing uh, with with a, a, a different service, like something like that, a, a, some type of large show moving to an online world or on to online. Uh, medium or platform somewhere else than traditional TV to force a lot of people to um, try out these new devices and these new technologies for delivering content. And like you said, most people that watch television, they're watching TV. So, you know, until there's some type of device that can connect directly to your TV and and provide that content, you're really not going to see that big shift. Yeah. I guess as long as I can get, um, you know, get my get my fix of things like Revision 3 and, and, you know, tech TV kind of content. And, you know, there's there's tons of other stuff out there that, that people can produce content for, you know, gardening or whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's, you know. Well, you know, and it's it's like then there's the other side of things where there's like the people like you and me that are the tech savvy people. They, you know, we're getting our content via the web whether they want us to or not. You know, people are downloading uh, their favorite television shows uh, via BitTorrent and, uh, you know, canceling their cable service. So, 
Yeah, uh, we, we wouldn't know anyone like that. No, no, neither. <laughs> this is all hearsay, but, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a battle, though. Yeah, definitely going to be a battle. One of uh, one of the other projects you mentioned, uh, Dig, we wanted to talk about that. Um, I know uh, I mentioned in a previous episode that it's kind of the slash dot of the Web 2.0 era. Would you uh, would you agree with that that phrase? I guess. And uh, how did you come up with the idea? It's 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 like a bunch of different things uh, combined together. Um, slash dot. That's that's tricky. Slashdot is just technology news, and um, eventually we'll we'll expand out from just technology news. But uh, the idea came from actually a, a couple of different things. But one of them was a lunch that I had with Commander Taco, the founder of Slashdot. <laughs> um, I had sat down with him, and and we were talking because uh, I was going to interview him for um, for the show for the screensavers, and. Uh, we were talking about Slashdot. I actually remember that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he came on and he showed how he promoted stories, and it was kind of cool because everyone got to see kind of the back end of how Slashdot worked, you know, and, and everyone was really stoked to see that. And I was thinking, like, why why did just a handful of guys get to determine what belongs on the homepage? Because I, I don't know. I just think that, I mean, I can understand. Don't get me wrong. Those guys, they, they pick the, the most amazing stories. They're, it's great content. I still subscribe to the RSS of Slashdot and read their stories all the time. Oh, yeah, but of course. it's just, it's just I, I don't know. It seems to me that I had asked Commander Taco at lunch uh, how many submissions he was receiving per day, and it was in the hundreds. And, and I was like, well, you know what? There's got to be some really cool stories in there that, you know, that uh, that that group may not agree on but would be really relevant to me and something that I would be interested in. Kind of the initial, and then I was also a big fan of uh, I like um, MacRumors.com uh, just because I'm I don't I have a one Mac, but for some reason I'm addicted to Mac Rumors. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that is. Like I don't even yeah. use a Mac on a daily basis, but I love I know, so. <laughs> Yeah. Why is that? It's like because you know they might put out something really cool and like sexy that you have to buy. I guess. But. Mac News is just interesting. It's always so I don't know. Because it I is. Guess, Steve Jobs is so tight-lipped about everything that you know any little you know leak of information, people are just scrambling for it. I know it's like crack. <laughs> that stuff is awesome. It is. So yeah, so I, I was uh, I was looking at Mac Rumors and they have a little thing called um, Page Two, which is the second page of of stuff that didn't quite make it to the homepage. You know, it wasn't quite uh, uh, a solid rumor. They didn't believe that it belonged in the front page. And so, you know, I just kind of started thinking about all these really cool things, and I was seeing a lot of the really cool uh, uh, Ajax stuff where, you know, and I was, I was also a big fan of uh, Delicious, you know. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm a friend of, of Josh's, and, and uh, we just, I just started thinking about, you know, why don't combine all these things? So we have basically a system where uh, users submit the stories. Uh, they can see every single submission, so there's nothing that's hidden. Uh, the users dig stories, and by the when they dig a story, they're also not only are they saying I believe this belongs on the homepage, but they're also bookmarking the story in their own profile. And of course, everything that they bookmark, comment on, submit, everything has its own unique dynamic RSS feed that anyone can subscribe to. You know, and then when the stories hit a certain threshold, they're promoted to the homepage. Once the masses determine that this is a story that belongs on the homepage, then it's promoted. And so that was kind of the basic. Uh, concept of dig. That is just a really great example 
of the difference between a Web 1.0 application and a Web 2.0 in that the, the actual users control the content. And uh, they determine what gets on the front page, and what you guys podcast about indignation. Yeah, so that's you know that's it feels really good too. I mean, it's just like it's it, there's there's so many things like it's it's funny because we we're really listening to everything the users have to say. And one of the things that we were hit with here just a couple months ago was users say, okay, well, what happens when there's bad stories and they're reported, and who goes through that? Because we want to see that too. And so, like, the next thing that we're going to do is, like, turn that back to the user. So we're going to have a way that you can go into the reported stories and view all of them, and you see which ones got removed from the queue, and then you can vote to have them reinstated and have them go back on the the homepage, like, kind of like uh, the way um, Wikipedia does their voting when a story is up for deletion. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot of fun. It's really cool. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Wikipedia, by the way, as well. I mean, that's just such a great – it's another great example of users getting together to create some really cool content. Oh, yeah. You and I were actually talking the other night, Kevin, and uh, we were discussing now you're, you're actually starting to slash dot some sites uh, when, when you get a lot of traffic on there. What type of infrastructure does it take to run Dig since you have so many users hitting it? That, that's been our biggest challenge to date has been scaling the site, really. It's because when you, at a certain point, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. So we started off with one server, just like everybody else does, you know. Uh, $99 server from a fun little hosting company like ev1servers.net or something like that. And um, <laughs> do you guys know those guys? Yeah, oh, yeah, we actually uh, we actually have our service at ev1. So. Oh, do you? It's, yeah. They're a pretty good service, right? I, I like yeah. it. It's As long as you know what you're doing because it's yeah. self-managed, then you're good to go. They exactly. stay out of your way. And We've never actually plugged our, uh, our service, but uh, we actually run a hosting company, steelpixel.com. Oh, nice. So you run it all through ev1. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, they're perfect. It, it, it for adding boxes and things like that. I've I've had I have no complaints. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we started EV one and we just got one of those ninety nine dollar boxes and then we had to upgrade to the, like the little dual Xeon box, you know, for like two ninety nine a month. And then uh, then what happened is we got uh, I I got a hold of Daniel Burka who is uh, the designer for Mozilla dot org um, from Silver Orange. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, he he's he's a just an amazing amazing designer, and um, and we started talking about Dig, and and he he said uh, you know they were willing to take on the project, and they they redesigned the site, and at the same time, uh, you know we added some of that fun little pretty Ajax functionality <laughs> where pages don't have to refresh, and everything can be done right directly on the on, the, on a single page, and and once we launched that, uh, that's when it just really started taking off because people just really understood. I mean, with his usability and design like expertise, he was really able to put the features in front of the users that so they could understand how to use the site. So when that happened, we just had to move to multiple machines. So we added a, a second box, which was a database box, and then uh, and then you know a week later, the site's at a standstill, and so you add another machine, and then now you have a, a <laughs> A master uh, database box and a slave, and then you know, then you have to add another slave, and then it's just then it then all of a sudden you have to think about how you're redesigning the code because uh, you know when I originally went to to build Dig, it was just a project you know that I would work on in the evenings, and mm-hmm. um, I when I worked on it with a friend of mine, we were like, okay, so we'll build it and it'll be done in 30 days, and that'll be the last of that. That'll just be a fun project. We'll let it sit back and let it run, but. Uh, <laughs> That never happened. I, we we haven't stopped developing since. So because of those d- design design uh, decisions that we made way back when we first started designing the site, 
you know, you have to revisit a lot of the code later on to optimize queries and think about better ways of, you know, optimizing the code and, and spreading the, the load across multiple machines. Yeah. So right now um, we have, uh, let, me, let me count here, let's see, two, I think uh, seven machines that, uh, that Dig is running on. Nice. So, yeah, it takes seven, so at that point, you know, you kind of have to get your own rack and, uh, and, and your own switch and your own router. And so, uh, but, uh, yeah, I feel bad because there's some really cool, well, the problem with the whole Slashdot effect and and any website that gets a lot of traffic is, like, you take down a lot of really cool projects. Yeah. Uh, There was a really cool project I saw the other day about a guy that created this 3D Pong game using LEDs in, like, a 3D, I'll have to send you the link to it. We can put it on your site if it's back up, but... It was really cool, and I saw it as it was making its way up the dig queue, and I thought, okay, it's going to hit the homepage soon. It was a video, and videos are what, you know, kill, what dig kills most of all. Mm-hmm. The static pages, you know, it, most websites can handle that, but, uh, yeah, only a few hundred people hit it at the same time, and then all of a sudden it was down, and then, and then like, uh, you know, the, a few more thousand that we saw it hit the homepage hit it, and then, you know, then all of a sudden people, the story was removed as a bad link because it was reported, because what happens is, like, if users can't get to the site, they report it as a bad link, and Dig looks at the number of reports, and when it hits a certain threshold, Dig automatically removes the story. Oh, no. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was removed, not because it was a bad link, but because, you know, uh, there was, I don't know, 300,000 people hitting the story at the same time. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty crazy. I wonder what you guys are going to do to our server, <laughs> yeah. all the Dig users. Well, you guys had a story up there, right? Yeah, we hit like, yeah, uh, yeah. 580 or so digs, I think, on, on the site. That's uh, there's awesome. A, there's a yeah, fart. Well, cool. Yeah, Matt's pretty popular, but, um, I mean... <laughs> Nowhere near what dig is, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, w- with all that infrastructure, I mean, there's obviously a price tag attached to all that stuff. Like you said, you, you guys might have to get a full rack and set up a switch and a router. How how exactly are you planning on on making money with Dig? I mean, is that that's obviously got to be a goal? Yeah, I mean, well, right now it's it's um, we've been lucky enough to where we have a couple of people that have been willing to help us out from the fund standpoint. Google AdSense definitely doesn't cover up cover that type of growth, you know. But the, yeah, the, eventually we'll build our own ad engine and we'll give advertisers creative ways to uh, you know place ads within the site, but. Uh, we really don't. Uh, we're, we're planning out a couple different things, but uh, the, right now it's just going to be st- standard ads, like just like any other site. The main yeah, those focus, seem to work well. Yeah, the main it seems to work when you get a lot of when you get that much traffic. You know, it, eventually it can cover the cost of the site. Right now, we're just our main focus more than anything else is just really scaling and adding new features. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, ads seem to work for Jason Calacanis. I think they're they're on track to make a million dollars with their yes, Google AdSense. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, it can it can be done. Yeah. I, I think I've made a dollar this year off my personal, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like you know six months. Got yeah. your five hits a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all me clicking. <laughs> my AdSense is going to be revoked tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, Jason's done a really good job with Engadget and all his properties. He's he's actually he digs quite a bit. He has a profile on Dig, and he's always digging stories and submitting links to Engadget and some of the other blogs. It's pretty funny. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's a cool guy. Has he ever had a front page story? Oh yeah, he gets them all the time. 
I don't know if he gets them, but he he has a, a couple of his uh, guys that work on like Engadget and some of the others, uh, some of the other blogs in his network. What has he got? Like over eighty blogs in the Web Blogs Inc. Yeah. network or something like that. I thought they were over a hundred now. Is there over a hundred? Well, yeah, they yeah. they they submit their stories, and you can check out his um his little posse of of diggers and submitters. I'll tell you how to do it. Go to uh, dig.com slash users slash he's J-D-A-W-G, J-Dog. That's his profile right there. So you can see all the stories that he's, he's dug 358 stories. I don't know if he's submitted any. I don't think. Oh, he submitted four. That's pretty funny. That's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, he actually, um, I own scubablog.com, and he contacted me a while ago asking to buy it, but uh, he never got back to me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he's buying up properties all over the place, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Scuba blog, huh? Nice. It's so funny how we're just talking and we all pull up these different sites. It's great. <laughs> yeah, we're all dorks. No, no, I'm sorry. Correction. Geeks. Geeks, that's, that's right. <laughs> so, I guess uh, one of the other things we wanted to ask, we ask everyone, you know, what, what super secret hush-hush projects are you working on that you just feel the need to reveal right here on the Oh, <laughs> can't reveal that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, come on, man. You know you can. Yeah. <laughs> it feels uh, good when you do, I promise. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I'll make you a deal. I'll come back and we'll talk about some stuff in a, in, in a few weeks. So uh, I got some cool stuff coming up. But uh, That sounds awesome. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> You'll hear it here first. How about that? Oh, great. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> Done. I love your guys' podcast, by the way, man. Oh. I can't wait for you to – well, not this episode because I'm in this one, but, like, the next one. Like, I definitely – it's one of my favorites because there's nobody else out there doing it, and it just really needs – you know, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are talking to to all the people uh, that are working in this space, and it's just, like, it's really fun to wait for the next one. And uh, So good work. Yeah. It's really well, great to just talk to – it's really great just to, you know, to talk to these guys that are actually, you know, building these services and stuff. You know, it's the next generation uh, um, content services. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah, actually, one of the ones I'm looking forward to, uh, I just got a call last night from the uh, PR guys over at Flock. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're wanting to talk to us this week, too. So That's great. I, I can't wait to see their, when they release their actual browser. Have you played yeah, with Flock? No, I haven't. I think I went there. It's, it's, it's like invite only right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't. I'm not cool enough to get an invite to the blog. <laughs> I can't imagine if you said, "Hey, this is Kevin. I'd like an invite." I'm sure they would give you one. <laughs> Their site is is interesting, though. You, you go there and uh, it looks it looks interesting. I love I love how like the big font action. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like 37 signals. Yeah, totally. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's very projectionist. Yeah, we, we've actually uh, both played with Flock. It's very, very nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they, the only thing I they think they need to uh, improve the blogging tool. So what are they doing exactly? Like, what what is it? I haven't... It's social browsing, is it just a way of sharing links, or is it like... Um, yeah, they actually have their own integrated link sharing, but uh, I believe there was some mention that they were going to integrate um, a standard service like Delicious. Yeah. And then there's also... there's like better a, would be Dig. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, and there's like a, it makes it really easy to collect content and like blog about it later. Oh, that's cool. Dude. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to check that out as soon as they. Uh, I'll, I'll send them an email if I can get an invite to to the app. Yeah. The other one that's kind of um, 
kind of along the same lines where you have to have an application in order to view this extra content. Um, have you played with Hoodwink? No, I haven't. It's, it's, a, it's actually a proxy server that runs on your computer and connects back to the Hoodwink server. And it actually uh, it's, uh, it started out as a Grease Monkey script, and it actually inserts comments into a web page. And oh, people don't cool. know. Yeah, people don't know they're there, and you can go and comment about you know websites. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I think I've seen that. Well, it was a Grease Monkey plugin at one point, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. I think I'd I'd heard something about that. That's pretty cool. So like, but the administrator has no control over the content because it's all third party. Exactly. It's stored on the Hoodwink server, and you have to run the software to actually see it. That's really cool. It's like a secret community. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that could be useful for certain sites that you know have frauded customers in the past. You know, if there's a certain you know, place that you want to go to buy, purchase, you know, some type of uh, hardware component online, and it looks kind of like a fly-by-night, and then if you had a service like that, you could leave a comment about that site without the site ever knowing. Others could read it before they actually made their purchase and, you know, make better educated decisions that way. That would be great, but I can imagine seeing someone sued over that. <laughs> that is a great idea, though. I would have never thought of that. It's pretty cool. I'll check it out. All right. Well, was there uh, anything else you wanted to discuss? I think that's about it. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Cool. Hey, thanks, no for ta- thanks, thanks for talking. Thanks for talking to us. Coming on the show. All right. Well. Awesome. Thanks again, Kevin. We'll catch right, up to you in a few weeks. Sounds good. All right. Take care, guys. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. This has been a Steel Pixel production. For more information about Steel Pixel, you can check out steelpixel.com. Or for more information about the show, feel free to check out web20show.com. That's w e b 20 s h o w.com. Thank you.